Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome, wonderful, amazing. I wow, can't think of any more words. Thursday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great to hear. I am glad to hear it. That's yeah, I don't have any complaints. Awesome. I don't have a single and... complaint, not even about the weather. Wow. Well, yeah, the weather's been okay. I won't get into it. Perfect. <laughs> it's been awesome. I've yeah. been making my kids walk with me like every day, and it's to the point like where my foot hurts from walking so much. But I'm like, no, we're gonna keep going. And today they were like, do you get? Do you want to walk, mom? I'm like, oh crap, my foot actually like <laughs> I actually want to get out of it this time. <laughs> I'm like, great, let's do it. But yeah, it's it's been perfect. Yeah. So yeah, no, I just have nothing really to say this week. I mean. I always have things to say, but nothing important or relevant. <laughs> I never have anything important or relevant, but I always have something to say. <laughs> there you go. There I'm you the go. Opposite. All right. So we'll get right into it. Apple Creek, Ohio is a place that you may have never heard of, but this is a village that's home to a thriving Amish community. For one reason or another, people have been fascinated with the Amish way of life for years. Most of us can't imagine following the rules of Amish culture after having lived with the luxuries of the modern world for our whole lives. And when it comes to the Amish themselves, it seems as though they really do try to protect their circles and their way of life, often shutting out the rest of the world by shutting out various means of technology and access to it. We just don't typically hear a lot about the Amish unless something newsworthy happens within their community, which is a pretty rare occurrence. So when a 30-year-old Amish woman was found dead by her son, it wasn't just the Amish community that was rocked, but those on the outside were equally as fascinated with the unusual story that unfolded. It was around 8 a.m. on June 2nd, 2009, when Wayne Weaver, who was around 8 or 9 years old, went to check on his mom when she wasn't awake by her usual time that morning. 30-year-old Barbara Weaver typically kept a pretty strict schedule, so it was immediately strange to her children when she wasn't up and moving about as she always did in the mornings. When Wayne got to his mom's room, he made the tragic discovery that she was deceased. Wayne ran to a neighbor's house to say that he'd found his mom and that she was dead. The neighbor then went over to the Weaver house and saw that Barbara was in fact dead and dialed 911. When investigators arrived, it was truly a troubling scene. There was no sign of forced entry into the home, and the fact that there was money left on the kitchen counter 
told officers that this wasn't just a burglary gone wrong. Someone definitely intended to murder Barbara Weaver. After speaking with each of Barbara's five children, investigators were really at a loss. None of them heard a gunshot, and neither did any of the neighbors. But the coroner determined that Barbara died between midnight and 6 a.m. Barbara's husband Eli was nowhere to be found, which left police in a strange predicament since Eli and Barbara were Amish and they didn't have cell phones or other technological means of locating them. So before we go any further, we will give you a little background on the Amish, which I am pumped about. If you like trash TV, I was just telling Mandy about this off mic. Breaking Amish is one of my favorite terrible reality shows. It's very far-fetched, but you do learn little pieces about the Amish, and I'm fascinated by it. Mandy, you said with this research, like, you got in a lot of rabbit holes. I did. It's absolutely fascinating. Oh, for sure. And this is definitely a show that, like, I want to check out. You said it was TLC? I think it was TLC. There's been several seasons. Watch the first couple. It gets way off, but they follow one girl and her life totally changes and one becomes a model. It's a lot. It's very extra and very fabricated, but you do learn a lot about their lives growing up, which is really cool. I used to love those very extra, very fabricated TLC shows though, like the Duggar family and also I didn't know I was pregnant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if it falls in line with those, then I probably will enjoy this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of like a producer standing over on the side saying, why don't you ask her what she would think about if she became a model? And the girl's like, did you ever think of being a model? And you're like, okay, I got it. So (laughs) it's a lot of that kind of thing. So a little background, though, on the Amish, if you're not familiar or haven't gone into a rabbit hole like uh, Mandy has this week or I have done. You will after this episode, I promise. So according to Ohio's Amish community, the Amish are a loosely connected network of conservative Anabaptist communities that originated in Switzerland. They actually split from the Mennonites in Switzerland between 1693 and 1697. The Amish are actually followers of Jacob Amon, who led this split because he desired to have harsher excommunication practices and more conservative styles of clothing. I imagine in the 1600s, like, it was pretty conservative. (laughs) And I imagine that punishments and excommunication practices were also pretty harsh already. Right. So what are we doing here, Bill? The Mennonites and Amish, though, still continue to share many of the same basic values. Their first language is Pennsylvania Dutch, also called Pennsylvania German because it's derived from the German language. This is a fun fact that I learned for the first time this week, and it honestly blew me away. I texted you, Melissa, and I was like, oh my gosh, did you know that Amish people um, spoke like this Pennsylvania German or Pennsylvania Dutch language? And of course, you told me that you did because you watch Breaking Amish. Again, Breaking (laughs) Amish. (laughs) But But I had never heard of this. I, I, for some reason, just assumed, which I know what they say about people who do that, but um, I just assumed that they spoke English. I didn't realize that they actually learned another language. Of course, they also speak English. I'm saying I didn't realize they actually had a language that they, like, as a community learned together. Like, that blew me away. Yeah, you're such a common I know. person. <laughs> That's what they would call you. I know. It's true. It's true. I will <laughs> accept it and admit it. <laughs> the Amish utilize horse-drawn buggies and wagons instead of cars, and they opt for a modest 17th century clothing style. Amish women also wear cape dresses and head coverings in public. One of the most famously known facts about the Amish is that they do not use modern advancements such as electricity or technology whatsoever. Okay. They are true to this. Yeah. Well, here's another thing I feel like I didn't know. I mean, maybe I did, but I just, I didn't connect the dots. Brains can only hold so much. Like how much Amish facts did you really need to keep in your head? Me, a lot. You, not as much. Yeah. So I knew they didn't do like cell phones and like technology, blah, blah, blah. Didn't know they were living without electricity. But I know like... In North Florida, we had an Amish group, and there's no way you can survive. Like, for sure. There's a, wait, down here, there's in the South, there's even, or I'm calling us the South, but I literally mean more Central South Florida. Um, there are like areas because they do that on Breaking Amish, they always have a beach scene, and they come down, and there's like a big community of Amish people that live here. It's rough if you don't have electricity. Oh my gosh. Wow. So every Amish congregation has really its own set of rules and guidelines for daily living, such as what they can wear and what type of technologies they are allowed to use, which we were kind of talking about. The Amish America publication says that the rules have evolved with the times, but there are some constants that really never change, such as the strict rule against lying, cheating, and adultery. 
And I was telling Mandy this before, Breaking Amish. Sorry, if you haven't watched it, you're just getting a lesson today. A lot of them, premarital sex did not seem to be a thing that they had to really follow, which I would have thought was a big no-no. But like lying, cheating, adultery, yes. But premarital sex, at least on Breaking Amish, was just not a thing that like was taboo. Like I was thinking. Yeah. So the congregation reviews their rules every two years and no changes are made unless everyone agrees. Wow. So in such a strict community, you can bet there are also very strict rules surrounding marriage. When an Amish couple gets married, it is for life and there's really no exceptions to that rule. If a member of the Amish church were to get a divorce from their spouse, they would also be forced to leave the faith entirely and be shunned from the community. The spouse who is left behind in the divorce is not allowed to remarry because that would be considered adultery. These might seem like pretty harsh consequences of divorce to those of us on the outside, but best-selling author Wanda Brunstetter, who has written extensively about the Amish community, says that she believes knowing that divorce is off the table in their community causes the Amish couples to work harder and strive to have better marriages and to work through their problems. Wanda also said that although the Amish man is the head of the household, the women do have an equal say in most things, including decisions that affect the family's future. Amish couples share the duties of child rearing and household chores, and many Amish wives can be found in the fields helping their husbands, or likewise the husbands will help their wives in the garden. It's really a team effort all around. The Amish are close-knit, and they love to have fun and joke. Women in the community love crafting, quilting, artwork, and many creative outlets, while the men meet up with friends and family for coffee and to catch up with local news or to fish or hunt. Amish families enjoy a variety of indoor and outdoor games like volleyball, baseball, horseshoes, and shuffleboard, and they take trips as a family and with friends just to get a change of scenery, just like the rest of us. When a shunning occurs, um, usually the individual has violated some guideline for daily living in the community. So shunning is a form of social avoidance where the other members of the community will intentionally behave negatively towards a member who has willfully violated the rules of the church. I feel like this is like getting canceled to the most extreme degree. Like everybody in your community is just turning their Your back community on you. cancels you. you are yes, community that's canceled. exactly Like it. that's exactly what it is. And it sounds, it sounds so awful and just terrifying, but that's what it is in the, in the Amish community. So they consider this to be a practice of a tough love that's meant to open the offender's eyes to the error of his or her ways so they can make the changes needed and then reaffirm their commitment to the Amish church. They're always welcome to come back. They feel that without the rules and without these shunnings, the integrity of their church would disintegrate quickly. So shunning can mean a few different things. It doesn't necessarily mean being completely excommunicated from the entire community. Sometimes it can be things like being made to eat alone or not doing business with a person, not accepting gifts or rides from a shunned person, and generally just excluding them from all social activities. People will still talk to those who are shunned, and they will offer them assistance if needed, but for the most part, the shunned person is kind of just considered to be on the outside until they make it right. In many cases, the shunning works by encouraging a change of heart and a confession to the church. If somebody does this, they agree to accept a temporary period of being excommunicated, usually a couple of weeks, but it can last up to six weeks. And then when they return to the community, all of their past transgressions are forgiven and forgotten about and life goes on. However, things are a little different when somebody deliberately disobeys rules and flaunts bad behavior, refuses to change, or continues down what is considered to be a sinful path with no attempts to change. I find it so interesting that shunning is like their big thing. Because if you think about it, is the person really coming back because they have this newfound commitment to their faith? Or are they like, you know what, I'm tired of not being able to get eggs because everyone's shunning me and I need to eat. Right. And I'm going to go trade with somebody. Like how much of it is one versus the other? I'm sure I'm sure there's some, but it, it I don't know. Not a big fan of the shunning. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. That I don't know if it's as effective maybe as they intend it to be, just because I agree that there's no it gets people in line, I right, guess. Right, but there's no real motivation to actually do better. You know, it's just you can right. say, okay, yeah, I agree that I messed up and, you know, we'll take my little time out and come back and carry on. But yeah, I think it's a little strange. A little strange yeah. strange way to do business as Life. a society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
As far as crime in the Amish community goes, it's pretty rare. According to Mark Loudon, who is a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and studies Amish language, healthcare, and legal issues, it's not something you see every day. The Amish are absolutely forbidden to engage in any act of violence, and any crime committed is met with forgiveness and salvation whenever possible. And we're not talking about this this week, but do you remember back in, I looked it up earlier, in 2006, there was a shooting in a school, in an Amish school. Five kids were killed, and the gunman died by suicide as well. And the Amish community, it was a big deal because they came out and said they forgave him. And people were like, how did you do that in your own community? And it was like a big testament of their faith um, for them to be able to do that. So that's kind of speaking to what we're talking about here. Crime statistics generally seem low among the Amish, but there are definitely instances of crimes not being reported or the community itself deals with the problem. But one problem that is far too big to sweep under the rug and deal with behind closed doors is murder. And when Barbara Weaver was found shot to death in her home, a whirlwind of activity was set in motion and the community was truly shaken. Barbara was born on February 2, 1979 in Orville, Ohio to parents David and Emma. She was one of four children, having one sister named Fanny and two brothers named Leroy and Michael. The family were members of the Old Order Amish Church and Barbara lived most of her life in Apple Creek, Ohio. The Old Order Amish are the largest group of rural Amish settlers descended from the Amish Mennonites. They are known for strict dress codes, prohibiting the use of buttons and zippers, and keeping the color palette to just dark colors. Another thing on that show, some of them would wear, like Mennonites would wear brighter colors, even though it would be like the same kind of style, but then those that were in the Amish community only wore really dark ones. And again, everything I learned was from that. So if it's wrong or crazy, (laughs) and everything we're taking in, we know that there are like differences and rules and stuff. So if you've left the Amish... Amish faith and we're getting something wrong, we truly apologize. We are just doing with what the information that we have here. So old order Amish communities regulate many aspects of members' lives, including the hair length. Uh, Women aren't allowed to get haircuts and men must grow their beards to an acceptable length. What if you can't? (laughs) What if you can't? Like a spotty beard? Yeah. Or like what if you just aren't the kind of guy who can grow a nice full beard? Then it's going to be very obvious. (laughs) Do you get everyone is out? going like, to know, you know, if that's the standard, like you must grow your beard to this acceptable length. It's like, what if I can't do that? What if you can't? What if it's like a beard <laughs> rat tail? Like right? that's all you have. <laughs> oh, goodness. So they meet for church in individual homes rather than a church building. And they deliberately go out of their way to avoid modern day technologies such as cars, cell phones, electricity, tractors, etc. Depending on the bishop of a community, they might be allowed to have a phone out in the barn. Additionally, in some cases, if members can't take their horse and buggy somewhere, there may be like an official driver in the community who really just earns a living driving Amish people around. That sounds like a pretty cool gig. I like that one. I guess, but then I also feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That seems oh, as like a, a mom, that actually kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that feels like a loophole to like the Amish way of life to just get somebody else to use a car to drive you around. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I guess if you can't do it, you you can't use a car because yeah. where do we stop? Electricity? Well, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I was thinking also because I started, as I said, I went down like a little rabbit hole and I started looking up things about this Amish community and turns out they have like an entire website and stuff. And I'm like, who runs the website if they don't do technology? I don't know. I guess they they still have connections to the outside world. I guess they could hire somebody and just pay them a fee to like market their stores and their restaurants and things like that. Right. But like, I don't understand. That's like, it's, true. You know, because otherwise that you know, I just have questions. I have so many. It is a loophole more questions because... than answers about about them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy for you. So Barbara lived what most of us would consider to be a very simple and fundamentally sheltered life. When Barbara was just 20 years old, she did what most young Amish women do around that age, and she got married. Barbara married a 19-year-old man named Eli Weaver, and the two went on to have five children in pretty quick succession. All five were born within a period of seven years. Oh, my ovaries. Yeah. (laughs) The family lived in Apple Creek in a home that had a well-tended garden and several outbuildings. The Weavers also ran a gun shop called Maysville Outfitters, which was located on their property as well. And we're going to get into so much more of this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. 
you're about to hear a preview for the brand new season of Criminal Conduct. The third season just kicked off and it follows the story of an American serial killer living in a prison in paradise. There are actual phone interviews with this guy. It's really incredible stuff. But why have us explain it when you can hear from the creators of Criminal Conduct yourself? So Javier, tell me about the uh, phone call you just got. I get this call from this guy who's known as Wild Bill. I want to be really clear that I don't feel like a serial killer. You know, and, and, and when I think of the word serial killer or the, of, the, of a person who's a serial killer, I think of a guy like Ted Bundy or, or a person who, who does things for compulsion or emotional needs, emotional reasons. And I, myself, I, I'm not a person who has any bloodlust. <laughs> These terrible things I did, I did, you know, um, starting about 15 years ago. And, and, and I was just a heartless, cold-blooded asshole who hurt and killed people for money. You know, I don't have a compulsion to kill people or a desire necessarily to do that. Listen to the full interview with Wild Bill, an American serial killer in paradise. Season three of Criminal Conduct premieres on February 18th, wherever you get your podcast. Here's a fact I had no idea about. Did you know that only 9% of plastic actually gets recycled? Meaning no matter how much you're putting into the recycling bin, only 9% of it is actually recycled. Crazy stuff. And to help do something about that, Grove Collaborative believes it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good. Grove has literally hundreds of products that are aimed at doing just that, replacing those single-use plastics you have around your home and that are a part of your skincare routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. One of my favorite products is the Grove Co.'s concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles. I have one I keep in the kitchen and one for the bathrooms, and I love that I've been able to cut down on so much trash by simply using a refillable spray bottle and cloth with a spray that actually works and smells great. These are just one of the products that are not only friendlier to the planet, but they're twice as effective as the leading natural brands. Join over 2 million households that are already shopping sustainably at Grove by switching to sustainable products for every room in your home. That includes everything from laundry care to hand soaps and much, much more. Groveco has you covered with safe formulas and refillable packaging, and they never compromise on the performance. Go to grove.com mm today to get a free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com mm. Grove.com mm. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we had just kind of talked a little bit about the Amish way of life and introduced um, the main couple of our story, uh, Eli Weaver and his wife, Barbara Weaver. They have five kids and they are just your typical Amish living couple and family living in Apple Creek, Ohio. But for whatever reason, Eli was unsettled and unsatisfied with the Amish way of life that he'd grown up in. During the course of his marriage to Barbara, Eli really struggled with infidelity a lot. He had left and returned to the Amish faith several times during his marriage to Barbara, which, again, kind of goes back to what we were saying. Like, is this shunning and this excommunication, like, is this effective? If you can just if you can just come right back in. I just don't know how effective it really is. Right. The couple's neighbor also said that it seemed like Eli just had a real attraction to things that were just forbidden to them. It's not clear exactly when Eli's infidelity began, but we know that he was excommunicated twice due to his affairs, but both times he asked the elders to let him back in, and they obliged. The first time he left the Amish community, he lived with a woman that he was having a sexual relationship with. The second time, he was having an affair with a former Amish woman, also named Barbara. And so to keep things less confusing for the rest of the story, we are going to call her by her last name, Raber. So Barbara Raber was 10 years older than Eli when they met in 2003 through her husband, Ed. Raber grew up in the Amish community, but left and joined the Mennonite faith with her husband, who she had three children with. The Mennonite faith is less conservative than the Amish, and they're able to own things like cars and cell phones. Raber became a regular customer at Eli's gun store. She worked as a driver for the Amish, and she also drove Eli around often. At some point, Raybert bought Eli a cell phone, something that was explicitly prohibited in the Amish church. And from then on, they began secretly communicating with each other through text messages. But as time went on and Eli got used to his handy new little phone, his thirst for the taboo things in life became a lot stronger. 
And you can imagine that it would, right? If you give an Amish person a cell phone with access to Google, like this sounds like if you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> right? It's like I can imagine that your mind would just go crazy. Just not even just from, I mean, yes, just from growing up that sheltered. I feel like imagine if you never saw a cell phone and someone just gave you one and told you to play around with it and figure it out, you would right. be fascinated. Like, what in the Absolutely. world? It's like this is crazy. Eli started using the phone to create dating profiles. He didn't take long to find out that 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 was an option. That mouse found a cookie. He sure did. So he started using the phone to create dating profiles on apps to meet other women online. And through these dating apps, he made connections and had affairs with many women. Eli was very out in the open about the fact that he was Amish, and he even used it as kind of a gimmick in his profiles. He called himself the Amish stud or Amish guy, and he posted photos of himself shirtless. This really worked out perfectly for him because so many women were just intrigued and wanted to know how an Amish guy had access to the internet, so they would message him, start up a conversation, and the rest was history. Although divorce was out of the question as a woman of the Amish faith, Eli's wife, Barbara, was still rightfully hurt and angry about his infidelity and his affairs. And I can imagine, it seems like the Amish are so close-knit and connected. It's like everybody knows all of your business at all times. So there's no way that this is a secret in the community. He's already been excommunicated and come back in for this. And so for her, it's like, come on, like now it's not just you, but now you're making me and our family, like everybody's looking at us and wondering like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, like, why are you doing this? People have to actively shun him. Like that is a very obvious thing that they're not doing business with him, that he's not allowed to do certain things. Like it's not a quiet this is not quiet at all. No. Like, there's a reason. Everybody knows what the reason is. Right. So to make matters worse, little did anyone know that Eli was up to more than just having affairs. He was actually thinking about a life where he could be free of his wife entirely. Eli had told several of his mistresses in the past that he wanted to get rid of his wife, but they brushed him off and assumed that it was something he had just said in jest. But not Raber. Eli started telling her about his desires to kill Barbara, and she didn't just shrug this idea off like the others. She entertained the idea, and she asked Eli what exactly he had in mind. Beginning in April of 2009, Raber researched various ways to kill someone on the internet. She made over 800 searches specifically related to poison. What? If you can't get it done in the first 100. How many do you need? I know. That's crazy. How many, do you, how many times do you have to verify that you read the right information? That is crazy. So on one occasion, Raber gave Eli some pills with the intent to use them to poison his wife. But Eli ended up not following through with the plan. In another instance, Raber called Eli and told him that she had a gun and she was on her way to kill Barbara herself, but she ended up having a change of heart or changed her mind and she didn't go through with it that time either. Wow. The brainstorming continued through late May of 2009. On May 30th, Eli texted Raber asking her what she found out on the computer the night before. Raber responded that she found, quote, a few different things I want to investigate, end quote. And she later said, quote, if we could get something in her to make her sleep hard, then get a can or two of nitrogen or CO2 gas, let it leak out under the bed, it would look like carbon monoxide poisoning, end quote. Yeah, that's scary. (laughs) It is. And it's like just so casual. And they continue to text back and forth about different methods of killing someone. So they continue to text back and forth about different methods of killing someone. The following day, May 31st, Eli texted Raber and asked if she had any ideas for how they could pull off the murder on the morning of June 2nd. Eli's reasoning for picking this particular day was because he had already had a fishing trip that was lined up for both the 1st and 2nd of June. On the 1st, Raber was going to be Eli's driver, but on the 2nd, Eli was going fishing with friends. He suggested that this would be a great opportunity to kill Barbara since he wouldn't be home and he would have an alibi. Eli and Raber continued brainstorming together, and they talked about the possibility of feeding Barbara poisoned cupcakes or even blowing the house up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but Eli said that would be difficult with the kids in the house. Does he mean it would be difficult because there's more people or like he would be kind of sad if something happened? That's I don't insane. know. Yeah, that's – or that's, even the poison cupcakes idea is terrible because the kids could eat that too. Like yes. Those are both awful, terrible ideas. I mean, yes, 
we don't even have to say killing somebody is a bad idea. But yes, also killing <laughs> somebody is a bad idea. But Obviously yeah, that goes without saying. But yeah. if you're getting to blowing up a house and you have five children, oh my gosh. And so, of course, FYI, the kids were not harmed in this story. But it's the fact that Eli was actually okay with them being hurt if it really came down to that. <sighs> he said, quote, this makes me sick. He didn't say that. My words. He said, quote, but we know they would go straight to heaven if it would happen that way, end quote. I just can't even imagine, like, saying so something gross. like that. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. So Eli then cut the conversation short by saying he didn't care anymore how it was done. He just wanted it done and soon. His final message said, quote, I want you to do something in the morning, end quote. And Raver said, quote, I'll see what I can come up with, end quote. Wow, sounds like a great plan. I'll see I what I can come up with. Yeah, she's already Googled <sighs> poison 800 times. I don't right? think she's going to have a great 801 plan. <laughs> <laughs> so on the morning of June 1st, though, Raber drove Eli to go fishing as planned. And on the drive, they talked more about their plan to kill Barbara. Eli tells her that he wanted her to go and do it after she was done driving him around, but later that afternoon. Raber sent a text saying that her husband was off work for the day and she was worried that he'd see her leaving again. So she said that wasn't going to be a good time for her to go over to Eli and Barbara's house. Eli wanted her to get her husband Ed to leave the house, but Raber was unable to make that happen. Eli seems awfully bossy. I know. Well, even the text messages, you know how like some of these some of these messages we get like very like, honey, I just want to be with you and let's do this together. He's like, go to my house. Get your husband out. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, this is a good day to do it because I won't be there. Like, I don't care what you do, you know, or what happens to you. Like, not even trying to tell her how to cover her own tracks or anything. All no, he cares doesn't about care. is that he's not going to be there. Exactly. Ugh, this guy. Later that evening, Eli and Raber continued their conversation through text messages. They talked about Eli's fishing trip with his friends the next morning, and Eli said he would be leaving at around 3 a.m., And that's when they planned for Raber to go to the house after Eli was gone and to kill his wife. So at 2.21 a.m. on the morning of June 2nd, Raber seemed to be getting cold feet. She texted Eli asking how she was going to be able to see in the dark and said, quote, I don't know if I can. It's too scary, end quote. At 2.56, Eli said, morning, the bottom door is open. So just, again, with the friendliness of not how to get away with murder, like how to make somebody do a murder and you don't really care what happens to them either. So at 310, Eli leaves his house. 10 minutes later, he writes a message to Raber that says, quote, take a light with you, hun. Well, there's the romance we've been looking for. Right. <laughs> at 325, Raber told Eli she was scared and asked him where, where he was. He told her he was in Wooster and reminded her not to leave anything behind at the crime scene. Raber then asked if Eli thought it was okay for her to, quote, drive in behind the pines, end quote. And after an hour, Eli finally responded with, yes. (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Men. So (laughs) Raber then gets into her car and drove to the Weaver home, entering through the unlocked door that Eli had left for her. With a 410 gauge shotgun in her hand, Raber made her way into the bedroom where Barbara slept and shot her once in the chest at close range before fleeing back into the darkness. And we still have more to get into the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I love a new fun makeup or skincare product just like the next person. But the things that were important to me in my youth are even more important to me now. Things like having high-performance beauty and skincare products that are actually made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, which is why I love Thrive Cosmetics. One of my personal favorite Thrive Cosmetics products is their Overnight Sensation Brightening Sleep Mask. It really doesn't even feel like a traditional mask. I just wash my face, then put on this cooling and brightening face mask packed with antioxidants, and it gives me the radiant, more hydrated skin I thought I could only dream of. I'm a creature of habit and have been using this same mascara for several years. That is until I started using Thrive's Liquid Lash Extension Mascara. I could immediately see why it's their best-selling product and has over 15,000 five-star reviews. The difference with this mascara is it really mimics the look of lash extensions without damaging glue or expensive salon prices. It uses clean and nourishing ingredients to support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. Plus, thanks to its tubing formula, it literally slides right off with warm water and a washcloth. You don't even need soap to get it off. 
and you can buy products that make you feel good while doing good, thanks to Thrive's Bigger Than Beauty promise. For every product you purchase, Thrive donates to help women thrive, including women emerging from homelessness, those fighting cancer, and more. The Shoebox Project is a mission close to my heart, and I love that Thrive has partnered with them. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com moms. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash moms for 15% off your first order. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. There's a lot of talk about self-care these days, and that's because it's important. But self-care really starts with caring for your mental health, which is why I love using BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. For me, so much of my holdup with traditional therapy has always been to make the time to get ready, to leave the house, drive to the counselor, and then drive home. Now I'm able to have sessions at home in my mismatched and stained pajamas while drinking a Diet Coke. Our families need us, our friends need us, and it can become very draining if you feel like you're everyone's life raft. With BetterHelp, I'm able to take care of myself, which allows me to be able to take care of those that I love. As a parent, sometimes it feels like I'm drowning and need to talk to someone with zero judgment. Just having a counselor validate my feelings gives me incredible clarity and hope. Another reason we love BetterHelp is because it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Moms and Murder listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com moms. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Now back to the episode. Before the break, we were just talking about the murder of Barbara Weber. She was shot to death while she was in her bed by her husband, Eli's, I guess, girlfriend? Lover. Lover, yes, Ugh, love, don't say it. love person. Uh, so hours later, when the Weaver children started to wake up and they realized that their mom wasn't up yet, the oldest child decided to go to her room and get her. The devastating discovery of Barbara's body sent shockwaves through Apple Creek and the local Ohio area. Since Eli was gone on his fishing trip, officers had to figure out a way to get in touch with him. They didn't know, of course, that Eli actually had a secret cell phone. So they're just assuming that he has no phone on him. Right. But they quickly learned that one of his friends that he was fishing with actually was not Amish, and that friend did have a cell phone. So they were able to get contact information for that person, and they were able to call and ask if they could speak to Eli. They informed him that his wife had been shot to death and asked him to come back to town to speak with them. 
Eli sent a text to Raber letting her know that the police contacted him and wanted to speak with him. And Raber said, quote, whatever you do, don't give them your cell phone, please. Eli showed up and talked to investigators and told them that he had nothing to do with his wife's murder. And he'd been gone from the house since about three o'clock that morning, which all of his friends corroborated. He told investigators that Barbara was alive when he left. He did, however, volunteer that he had been having an affair with Barbara Raber. And personally, I have thoughts on this. I think that if he wouldn't have done this, I don't know where the police would have gone next to solve this crime. Because nobody – like, they wouldn't be thinking to look for a cell phone. I mean, they probably would. It's the – it's regular police, not Amish police. So I'm sure they would be like, we need to check every avenue. They probably would have figured it out eventually, but – I think he gave this information up and that like sped things along for the police. For sure. I mean, you know, I'm happy that it did and they were able to like quickly tie, you know, figure out what happened. But I just thought it was crazy that he volunteered this information. So quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So later that day, Eli told Raber that he needed to have his cell phone number changed so that the police couldn't trace his number. So she went ahead and just took care of that for him. She had the number changed. She also asked Eli for advice on how she should clean the shotgun so that the investigators wouldn't be able to tell that it had been fired recently. And she asked what she should tell her husband, Ed, if he happened to notice that the shotgun was missing. On the day after the murder, which was June 3rd, officers went to meet Raber and speak with her regarding the affair that Eli told them he was having with her. She admitted to having a past relationship with Eli, but she said that they had not been dating for about six months at that point, and she had no idea about his wife's murder. Of all the things that these two, I guess she was too busy Googling poison to think about what was their story going to be afterwards, because they obviously, yeah, they did not have a matching story whatsoever. So the investigators naturally, because of that, didn't believe them, and they had a gut feeling that there was a lot more going on, so they kept digging. Luckily, other women actually started to come forward and tell the police what they knew about Eli Weaver. A woman that he had spoke to before named Dandy told officers that she met Eli on a dating website and that he called himself the Amish stud and used a secret phone to contact women online. Other women also came forward with a similar story. One woman named Mary said Eli actually called her on June the 2nd to say that his wife died. And she said that he was very casual about this. He just called her up and said, quote, my wife's dead. Somebody shot my wife. Kind of as if this was just an everyday conversation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right away, Mary sensed that Eli may have been responsible. And she felt at the least if he didn't do it, then he knew who did. So she called the police to tell them about, you know, how she had met Eli online and what kind of conversations they had in the past. According to Mary, Eli spoke very bitterly and complained about his marriage and the Amish way of life in general. Mary said it was clear that Eli had many suitors because all of these different women would leave vulgar comments on his profile page. I don't know what dating website that was, but I'm so glad that that didn't last long. Can you imagine people being able to leave comments on your dating profile page? No. (laughs) It feels like it's weird to me as like Venmo, whenever you're on Venmo and you see what everybody's giving each other money for. Yeah, that's so weird. I agree. So weird. Every time I've ever had to send money on Venmo, I'm like, private? Are you kidding me? Why would I tell somebody I'm giving somebody money for donuts? That's embarrassing for me. It forces you to put something in there. I know. I don't like that. Okay. (laughs) So Mary also said that Eli spoke about killing Barbara with her, and he talked about poisoning her and asked Mary if she knew about any poisonous plants. She said that he told her if she ever came down to see him that she should run Barbara over in the driveway. This kind of thing makes me crazy. Like, it's obviously not these women's fault that he was up to anything, but I do – I think as a society, when somebody says that they're going to kill somebody, just like, let's take them seriously. Right. Let's just believe them and just uh, report that appropriately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on June 6th, Barbara's funeral was held at the Weaver family home. Barbara's obituary noted her marriage to Eli, which would suggest that the family really didn't suspect any involvement with him at this point. Investigators really needed to get their hand on the records of that secret phone, but as you'll recall, Raber had changed Eli's number. They needed this new number so that they could check those records too. According to one of the prosecutors, the phone company deleted the text messages every five days, so they had to act fast. Mandy, I've lived in the English world my whole life. I had no idea if you changed your number. No. What? I 
I don't know what I thought, but I did not think that that was the case. And I still don't know that I believe that to be true. I feel like they would be able to easily figure it out, though, right? Like they would be able to, when they get your records from the phone company, aren't they going to be able to see that you changed the number associated? I mean, it's still the right, same if they were like, oh, account. Exactly. It's something, it's just so bizarre. And it's bizarre to me that like the Amish stud is the one that knew how to do this. Like how did he right. know? So while Raber's Googling Poison. Listen, he had a phone, phone and a lot of time on his hands. Who knows what he learned? I know. This is a lot. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, I'd like to know if that's really true because that is really wild to me. So what they decided to do is they asked Dandy to make a new kind of fake dating profile. Then they had her send a message to Eli and ask him to call her. This way, he they could get the new number from him. And Eli fell for it because... Almost stud's gonna almost stud and <laughs> investigators were one step closer to securing their secret phone so investigators ran the phone number and found out that it was registered to barbara raber so it appeared that the secret phone was on her phone plan so obviously they hadn't broken up six months ago like raber said investigators subpoenaed the phone records and found a lot of incriminating text between eli and raber some of which we talked about earlier on June 10th, 29-year-old Eli and 39-year-old Raber were both arrested and taken in for questioning. At the station, Eli told investigators that he had nothing to do with Barbara's murder. He went to jail without telling the police anything. So then investigators told Raber that they'd seen these texts between her and Eli where they discussed killing Barbara. Raber said that these texts had just been a joke. She wanted to just see how far Eli would let the joke go. Oh, funny, funny, hilarious, hilarious. I feel what? like we've heard this before where people have said that and been like, oh, I just didn't know. You know, I wanted to see how far they would go. I'm like, what? Like, who would do that? Like, no. Why would you do that? The second somebody would say this, I think the joke's gone too far. Right. My goodness. So within two hours of being at the station, though, Barbara Raber confesses to killing Barbara. She started crying and saying it was an accident. And she explained that she went to Barbara's only to scare her in the middle of the night. That makes a lot of sense. She goes through the unlocked basement door, makes her way to Barbara's bedroom, and she stands in the bedroom doorway about to scare Barbara when the shotgun suddenly goes off. Don't you hate when a shotgun goes off right. in the middle of the night if your lover's wife right. room? My gosh. So Raber told investigators that it was all Eli's idea. He had begged her to kill Barbara multiple times, which makes no sense if it was an accident. And now she's like... Uh, actually, it's also his idea. His idea like was said, for me to have an accident. You should have used some of those Google searches on something other than how to do it. Like you Even how to get away with murder could have gotten <laughs> exactly for this. Right? My gosh. Raber said she couldn't remember exactly what kind of gun she had with her, but when she got home, she'd put it in her husband's gun cabinet. After she was transferred to jail, Raber called her husband, Ed, and said uh, she might need an alibi that would involve him. She told Ed that she had been texting Eli about, quote unquote, that stuff but the texts were just meant to lead eli on and see how far he'd take it remember at the beginning when you said how much the amish love to joke around maybe this is what they do i don't know imagine tell imagine just telling this. <laughs> yeah I don't think i've been texting about well. a murder i'm actually arrested for it just wanted to see how far it would go like will you be my alibi will you be my alibi you're not going to be my valentine that's the right. other guy but we'd be my alibi. So when they searched Raber's house, though, they didn't find this shotgun in Ed's shotgun cabinet like Raber said there would be. However, they did find a notebook with a bunch of different poisons written down inside of it. So she couldn't just keep it to Google. She had to, like, have a paper trail as well. <laughs> so when a family friend of Ed's found out that his wife had been arrested, he was really shocked. He told th this friend, told the Daily Record, quote, she seemed nice. She came across as a little extreme at times, and I figured that's just her personality. But there was nothing crazy, nothing off the wall, end quote. On June 11th, investigators went back to talk to Raver. They didn't feel like her story matched the evidence that they had. For example, they hadn't found the shotgun, and there was no way Barbara had been shot from the doorway, as Barbara Raber had described. They said that she definitely had been shot from close range. When investigators started questioning her story, Raber asked for an attorney and ended the interview. On June 12th, a grand jury indicted Raber and Eli for aggravated murder, and their bonds were set at $1 million. According to Oxygen, it was the third time an Amish man had been suspected of killing his spouse in America, and it was the first major crime in the Amish community in Apple Creek. 
According to Fox 8, it was the first murder in Wayne County in seven years. On August 17, 2009, Eli decided to take responsibility for his actions and cooperate with the police. He actually confessed and took a deal and pled guilty to complicity to murder. As part of the deal, Eli was going to have to testify against Raber. So his sentencing was set for after the testimony. Barbara Raber's trial began on September 17, 2009. Her defense was that she accidentally shot and killed Barbara while trying to scare her. The prosecution, however, said that Raber didn't accidentally shoot Barbara. They said the murder was planned in advance with Eli. To prove their case, they introduced evidence of Eli and Raber's text messages, along with Raber's jailhouse calls with her husband Ed, her confession, her internet search history, and more. <laughs> there was <laughs> so much. There was plenty. So yeah, that's all you needed. You didn't need any more. So Eli was actually the prosecution's star witness, and he testified that he had multiple affairs and, quote, just didn't love his wife the way he should have loved her, end quote. He left the faith more than once because he wanted more freedom, as he said, but he was always welcomed back. Eli said that after he told Raber he wanted to get rid of Barbara, she, quote, ran with the idea and repeatedly suggested the poison method. Eli said he thought about poisoning his wife and then poisoning himself in a murder-suicide, but ultimately decided to go through with just the murder. On September 23rd, the jury found Raber guilty of aggravated murder with the use of a firearm. Raber was carried out of the courtroom while crying out, I didn't do it, multiple times. On the same day, Eli was sentenced to 15 years to life. Eli said, quote, I'm sorry for what I did, and I hope everybody can forgive me for what I did, end quote. The judge brought up how Eli had actually left the faith twice. He said, quote, you only needed to walk away a third time, end quote, which is a really powerful statement, I think, from the judge. Yeah. One week later, on September 30th, Raber was sentenced to 20 years to life for murder and three years for using a firearm. The judge told her, quote, the evidence in this case was very compelling. You were involved in the death of Barbara Weaver. There is no evidence to contradict that, end quote. The judge also said, quote, if not for Mr. Weaver, we would not be here. But with your cooperation, Barbara would still be alive today, end quote. On August 30th, 2010, the 9th District Court of Appeals affirmed Raber's convictions and sentence. Eli is currently incarcerated at the Grafton Correctional Institution in Ohio. He's eligible for parole on June 6, 2024, when he is 45 years old. Raber is currently incarcerated in the Ohio Reformatory for Women. She's eligible for parole on June 4th, 2032, when she's 62 years old. Wow. Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't get into in this episode, did you come across anything about Rumspringa? No. So Rumspringa is this time in youth. It's like 16 to 18 or something where what they do is they're allowed to leave. I'm giving a very like general, my understanding of it. So if I'm a little off, I'm sorry. Um, where they're able to leave, kind of live this English lifestyle, and then they kind of make the decision for themselves if they want to continue in the faith or not. So it's kind of like, I wouldn't say a free-for-all, but it's fascinating because some of them will go out, start drinking, get girlfriends, do whatever, and then they can come back and be like, actually, I want to be Amish now. So when you were talking oh. about him never really seeing a cell phone, if he had done the whole Rome Springa thing, it's likely he kind of lived that life. So you, he got a taste oh, yeah. of it and then yeah, comes back. Yeah, I guess back. that's true. Yeah, so it's that's always fascinating to me. And I think I read a statistic that was like, uh, I think 85% of people that leave on Rome Springa do come back because that's like the life they've always known. But Yeah, well, that's what I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if you have been raised to believe a certain set of principles and morals and ideas about how life should be lived, I feel like at that point, like, yeah, they can send you out in the world and let you experience it, but you probably aren't going to like it. Yeah. Well, on Breaking Amish, a lot of them, this isn't their rum springa, but a lot of them, that's what they'll have, like a taste of the outside world. And some will stay and some are like, come back. They're shunned by their family. They deal with that. And then eventually they're accepted back. But that's what they've always known. So it's fascinating yeah. to me, the whole Amish faith and yeah, practices. Yeah, me too. In this day and age, it's like just so opposite of what is going on in the rest of the world that it's it's really interesting. I have a lot of respect for anybody that can maintain that faith though because that's that's yeah. that's a hard life. Yeah. I guess it's only hard. I mean, you don't know what you don't have, you know, but I don't know. 
I don't know. Like you said, obviously they do know what they don't have because they have opportunities to learn they about it. spring so. it out of there. Right. That's like my favorite word. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Okay, Melissa, are we ready to move on to last thing before we go? Yeah. So speaking of favorite words, we're going to do some of the Pennsylvania Dutch uh, sayings and words, and I'm going to give you some, and you're going to tell me what you think they mean. Okay. Um, they're, I've enjoyed these. These are great. So I'll start off with what I would consider an easier one. If you say it's spritzing, what, what would that mean to you? Spritzing? Mm-hmm. Wait, it's it, spritzing? Yeah, it's been sp- spritzing off and on all week. So raining, like raining? Yeah, slightly raining. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's one we've probably heard. Here's one I really love. In the beginning of the episode, sometimes I do a lot of brutzing. Brutzing or grutzing. Be careful. Um, Don't talk bad about me. <laughs> in the beginning i don't know um when your kids come home and they can't find their book report book and they are doing a lot of complaining about it yes <laughs> <laughs> yes got you oh, real quick yeah. on that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> we um, found the book we found the book. oh good 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 glad to hear it okay um how about this one um my son today, he's been nixnootsing all over the place. Just bouncing off the walls. Okay, that is a little close <laughs> to home. <laughs> that's a that's a saying. Isn't that fun? Nixnootsing though? I like that. It's misbehaving, really, but nixnootsing. Oh, I like little that. Nixnuts. Yeah, that's like the most fun thing I've ever said. Can, can you call them a nixnootser? <laughs> no, but you can call them a schnickelfritz. I love that. That is a troublemaker. I'm going to say that. And then my kids probably will instantly laugh and everything will just return to harmony because it'll and just be And they'll be back those, to brutzing. Yeah. It'll be one of those Hallmark movie moments where you say something funny in the heat of the moment and everyone laughs and everyone's just like, oh, ha, ha, actually, we just love each other so much and no one's mad anymore. I feel oh, like yeah. that's what, you that's know what, what I, that word could do for you. <laughs> it, okay. I need to come to your house. I will show my daughter TikToks that I know are funny and I know she thinks are funny and I will watch her fight a smile so hard yes, just because my son I showed it thing. to her. Yes. A hundred percent. If my, if I say it's funny, it's absolutely never going to be funny. No, I know. Exactly. It's painful for me because I'm like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and she's just like... Yeah, I mean, I guess. And then she'll show me a picture of like Hello Kitty with a mask on or something. I think it's hilarious. I'm like, what is yeah, happening? I know. I know. Oh my gosh. The ones like the the like kid memes. Oh my gosh. Know. Kids can't meme. Let's just let's just put it out they there. They can't. Kids, kids, if you are a kid, <laughs> you can't meme. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the old people. <laughs> you little schnickle frets. Yep. But I think that's such a fun word, schnickle frets. I do too. And I nuts. love that. Yeah. I love it. Sorry, I didn't grab a whole lot because some of them I just knew I could not say. But if you're going to get brutzing, nix notes, and schnickle frets out of it, um, I love it. And they say like dat for dad. And I don't know. There's some, some interesting know. ones. Well, it's interesting because I like one of the rabbit holes I went down was just listening, watching YouTube videos of people speaking in Pennsylvania uh-huh. Dutch. And it's like one of those situations where I'm like, I understand every word you're saying, but right. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. It's literally <laughs> right? like a pig Latin situation is, to me is, where I'm yeah. like, oh. And then some of them are English words, so it feels very – yeah, it's like every fifth word I can catch, and I'm like, huh, I don't it's know like, what's happening right, here. It's right. derived from German, as we said, so it's like German-English mashup, but it's – I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm loving it, though. Do you have any more? It's great. No, I, I don't really. I mean, oh. I have – Sorry. I, I It was really like some of them I knew I would just get called out for on not being able to pronounce them. Oh, um, that's okay. And they have things like what's, a what's, if you're <laughs> being a what's. Oh, uh, like a, a jerk or or stupid. <laughs> that is pretty good. But a what's is somebody that eats a lot. So. Oh, that's totally me. <laughs> quit your brutzing. Don't be a what's. 
while you're a lot of words for just being terrible children. That's what I've yeah. noticed. They were all just like, you're an awful person. Not a lot of praise in there, but yeah, right. those are fun. But if you do watch um, Breaking Amish, which you should watch a few episodes, they you hear a lot of the Pennsylvania Dutch and you hear them speaking to each other and you'll see them off mic. But it's funny to watch it with closed caption or they show the translation because yeah. there are just like so many words you'll you'll catch. And it makes you feel really smart for about two seconds until... Um, you realize you really don't know what's going on and <laughs> this is a fabrication and you've just lost 30 minutes of your life. So, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. Well, this was great, Mandy. We should do yeah. it again next week. We totally should and we will. All right, guys, we will see you back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.